Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome to Thoughts on the Hoops. This is a bit of a weird one. Uh, I'm joined by my very special guest, Paul John Dykes. How you doing, Paul? I am honoured to be your first guest. I think I'm your first guest. You are my first guest. Uh, ironic as that might seem, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. We had a few chats and the old text messages and uh, what better way to get back together than for such a great cause as to help Jamie Tierney. Um I'm sure everybody knows who watches Axom, who watches um, any content on Celtic and on online, you'll know about Jamie's uh, plight and his ongoing, I don't like to call it a battle, but uh, learning to live with um, the muscular dystrophy condition that he's got. Paul will have reminded you throughout the the stream this morning that it's vital that, um, that Jamie and his family get funds for treatment. So, Although this is all good fun today and we're all enjoying talking about Celtic, um, that is the main reason why we are here today. Um, Paul, this is what, the fourth Axum live weekend, is that right? I think I've been involved in, uh, maybe not all of them, definitely three of them, I think. Remember you did the live Scottish Cup final? Um, Yes. The pandemic final where we clinched the quadruple, wait a minute. Is this right? It was a Scottish Cup I final. I get mixed up with the trebles. I know, yeah. I know. I'm sure it was a quadruple treble when uh, Lee Griffiths and Scott Brown scored. It went into extra time. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Right, so yeah, you were definitely watching that live because that was an emotional day. Yourself, me and Lawrence watched that as a watch-along. It's just ironic that we're, we're playing Hearts again today and we're going to be doing the same again. Yeah, and it was you know it was one of those things where I'll, I'll never really forget where I was that day. But for for numerous reasons, we were all locked in our houses, and 
Axom had come to the rescue for the people watching this and for the people contributing and it was just a bit of a kind of culmination to, I know you guys had been going for a lot longer than that, but it really started to grow into the community that it is today that year and um, yeah, the, the pandemic was horrendous, but there were some positives that came out of it. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, I now do my own podcast called Thoughts on the Hoops. Paul has been very kind to promote it on the Twitters and all that kind of stuff. Um, very early days, I'm starting to understand just what Paul has on his plate, putting together the platform that he's got, but I have to say I'm enjoying it. And to those of you who've already watched it, thank you very much for getting involved. If you fancy it, obviously go over there and subscribe, but don't do it until the end of this uh, whole day of or whole weekend of content, I should say. Now, Paul... I have something very fun to do today that I think people will enjoy. It's going mm. to create it's going to create a bit of division, but who am I if not the person that creates division online? That is you, that is, Laura. Division. That, that is the, that is the name <laughs> of my game. So if you want to pull up on the screen what we've got um, as an idea, and everybody uh, get in the comments for this, but what we're going to do over the next hour or so is try and pull together Celtic's greatest 11 since 2000. Now, the reason for the, I'm doing this is, obviously, if you want to name Celtic's greatest 11, the club have already done the one in 2002, Paul. Mm-hmm. And we've obviously got the Lisbon Lions. The, the best 11 that anybody would come up with would probably feature most of those players. But I think since 2000, we've had a good mix of success and downtimes and considering whether players who were fantastic players still deserve to get into this team, even if they weren't in the most successful Celtic teams. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. I always remember, actually, when we were doing the, um, you know, the greatest ever. And in my mind, again, I've had a Mandela memory today already, so I might be making this up, Laura, but in my mind, I thought that was post-67. But it may well just be my, me saying every player in the greatest ever Celtic team is 1967 and after. Because a greatest ever Celtic team would have Jimmy McGrory in it. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And and he's not. So I'm starting to wonder. I'd need to dig out the old Celtic views from the, the period to see if that was one of the stipulations, Laura. I'm not sure. Somebody in the comments may be able to clarify that. Well, another one that I... Because I, I'll, run, I'll run through that team that was pulled together in 2002 just so that we know where we're at. So it was Ronnie Simpson in goal, Danny McGrain, Tommy Gemmell, Bobby Murdoch, Billy McNeil, Bertie Old, Jimmy Johnston, Paul McStay, Kenny Dalgleish, Henry Larson and Bobby Lennox. Now, I don't think anybody can argue with anybody that's in there. The problem is that we've definitely got more than 11 players, but you, you talked about Jimmy McGrory. Another one I thought about was, was Bobby Evans at... at at the back, I think he obviously had far too young to have seen him play, but everything that you see on paper about the guy suggests that he should have definitely been a consideration for being in there. I mean, I don't know who you shift out of uh, Big Caesar and and other people at the back, but he certainly should have been a consideration, I would have thought. Yeah, and again, our friend, our mutual friend, Jim Orr, uh, done a really good thing recently. He gave me a big batch of books for the Axom Archive. And uh, you go through the history books and you, in your mind, Laura, you you know all the greats, but we never seen them playing. And I always mm-hmm. think, like, you've mentioned Bobby Evans. I've got an affinity with Neely Mocken. That yeah. 50s team, Bertie Peacock, Charlie Tully, um, Bobby Collins, great, great players, but not part of what you would describe as a great team. 
think Lisbon and the Lisbon Lions cast a shadow over, over a lot of what came before. Johnny Thompson lost his life on the field of play. You know, there's no lasting memorial up at the park. I just received a new book actually on Willie Mealy. And um, if you and I uh, came from Japan or mm-hmm. Norway or Australia or, or another country that we've had uh, a, a kind of relationship with in, in recent times and we thought, right, let's go and support Nakamura or, or Ronnie Dyla or Ange Postacoglu and we took a walk around that stadium. As far as I know, it doesn't tell you who Willie Mealy is. You know, or John Thompson, or Jimmy McGrory. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think we've. I think we've missed an opportunity there. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but let's get into the meat and bones of what we've got today. I've already seen people um, suggesting some names, so we'll start with the goalkeeper. I think it only comes down to two, two choices. Uh, the first one's Javier Sanchez Broto, obviously. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I did back love in, the guy. Back in McNamara says it was. He was the I, best goalie he played with at Celtic. <laughs> I, did, I did love the guy, but he's he's probably not going to get in, and that's because of two main names that we have. And I think this sets the tone for the rest of the team because we've got Arthur Boric on one hand and we've got Fraser Forster on the other. Yeah. Now, both fantastic goalkeepers, but I think where Arthur Boric takes the upper hand is if you want to go down the route of cult hero, if you want to go down the route of a, a team that the supporters love the, the person as much as the player, then your answer is Arthur Boric. But if you want to go down the absolute man-mountain, man-monster, Fraser Forster, that's your other choice. Get in the comments and let us know out of those two which would be your choice. But Paul, what did you love about those two players and, and what would be your choice? And I always need to watch how I um, say my words when I say this. I love a cult player. Um, <laughs> I, I really do, you know, Paddy McCourt, uh, who have we got now? Who's a cult player now? Probably Tony Ralston. Tony Ralston's my favourite player in the current squad. Mm-hmm. I love a cult player, so Boric ticks so many boxes. And I got told a, a great story recently by Gordon Strachan about um, some, they'd made a mistake in the first half. Uh, everybody knows the McGeady story. And, and actually, I don't, quite, I don't actually like that story, the fact that a young guy in the Celtic team is getting battered by somebody who's obviously quite a hardy fella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Strachan went into the dressing room and he's given a few people the hairdryer treatment and but he's looking for Boric who's not there mm-hmm, and eventually mm-hmm. it gets to the point in his mind he's thinking I'll get to him and he's finished his rant and he's not managed to get to the main culprit and he's like where is he where is that and he's in the cubicle smoking a cigarette at half time avoiding the team <laughs> talk so there's there's a cult player but beyond all that he was phenomenal and Strachan also said he thought he could be the best goalkeeper in the world if he applied himself properly. These are all the hallmarks of a cult player. Uh, you know, could have been, should have been, all that stuff. Ever I was going to pick, though, and I'm talking greatest, the greatest since that time, I'm going to go for the big man. I'm going to go for the uh, the man who was a, an absolute hero against Barcelona, um, against Lazio, against Rangers in the League Cup final. I'm going for Forster. And I think what it comes down to, Laura, mm-hmm. is... When, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say when the chips are down, Boric wasn't there, because if you go back to the one of the Manchester United games, we were under attack after attack after attack. He made something ridiculous, like 9, 10, 11 saves, Boric. And so I, I was knew. also I was also at the Spartak Moscow game where we went through in the penalty shootout. He won that for us, mm-hmm. not just with that one save, but just you could tell he was intimidating. And they had players at that time like Pavlyuchenko who went on to, to great things. 
you know, he he really made that for us. But th- like you say, I think Forster, you can rhyme off these big performances mm-hmm. um, that, that he made for us, and it doesn't come any greater than Lionel Messi with all the players he's played against, all the goalkeepers he's scored against. I think he did a thing with Budweiser where he sent what well, was a beer to every goalie that he'd scored against. And the right? one that he picks out, all of them, was Fraser Forster. He said, I think he said he wasn't human that night. What I love now in my advancing, uh, advancing, not advanced years, Laura, is uh, trying to speak to my my, my own uh, son and, and my nephews and that, and tell them about Celtic. You know what I mean? And, and pass on that baton because it's they're all even to this day they're still messy daft right? mm-hmm. because I think. The whole YouTube thing, the YouTube craze with kids and shorts and and all this, the, the, they've been fed information all the time. Messi's a brand. Mm-hmm. It's just a brand. It's like a character on a YouTube channel to them. And it's messy, messy, messy. So I decided last week, no, I'm going to show you the video, son, of Celtic beating Messi mm-hmm. in Barcelona. And so I, I recently watched the game and it wasn't interesting until Messi scored the consolation goal, obviously. But when I was watching it, it really brought home once again that Foster could win you a game. He could mm-hmm. win you a game. Obviously, the saves were there, but again, his clearance, which led to Tony Watts, what became the winning goal, the second goal. But you know, one thing I had forgotten about until I watched it just last week, Laura, what was through on goal again um, after he scored? Yeah, he was, he yeah. Down, brought down by Mascherano. I don't no even fill, think Mascherano no would for that. No, leaving a fill. But yeah, I'm, I'm going with Foster now. I would be interested to hear some of the comments and their thoughts behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing some names come up there. Paddy Lavery says Jerry Taylor. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we can only have players who've played for the first team, but Jerry would absolutely be in there if we were a bit looser with our rules. Tony Warner, John says, Magnus Hedman's coming in there. Jonathan Gould. I mean, we've had some characters. We've had some characters. <laughs> Um, Warner. The thing is with Tony is uh, we've not got a bad memory about Tony. No. Um, he played. He played a decent part in a, a very, very good victory. And again, my mind tells me it's the only game he played. He probably played a dozen games, but uh, I do remember that victory against Rangers. We sold the video. It was that that good a victory. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to the outfield. Now it's funny. I actually talking in the Barcelona game. I had another idea that I didn't want to do because I thought it'd be too cruel for you. But I don't know if you've seen online, they do these, there's this game show called Tenable where you've got to name 10. And I thought the other thing I was going to do was do football Tenable, but you would have to name the 10 outfield players that started that night against Barcelona because I bet you any money people couldn't do it without Googling it. I'm telling you. Can I give it a try and I'm not going to change my gaze? Right. So you know I'm not looking at... Let, not let, looking me, at let me look it up before we do it, because right. I, I don't right. even know if I can remember it. In um, fact, I'll do it. So both my hands are on the screen, which means I'm not typing, and I'm not Googling right. it, and I'll see, if I, I'll see if I can figure this out. Let me know when you've got it. Um, and I'm not looking at the comments, because somebody in the comments will know or have access to that, and already I'm regretting this, because I can't remember who was... <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I think it might have been. I'm telling you, there's there's people you're going to forget even uh, played for the club. Right, here we go. 7th of November 2011. Teams, okay. right? Starting lineup. On you go. Okay. So you've got the big man in goals, Fraser Foster. I'm Correct. going to say right back, Mika Lustig. Correct. Centre halves are Kelvin Wilson and Effie Ambrose. Absolutely, yeah. 
Left back. Uh, I know that Charlie McGrew took the corner, Laura, but where was he playing? Oh, dearie, dearie me. See, straight away, that's one of the things you wouldn't expect to cause you problems. I know, I know. I, I thought it'd be back. too cruel. Um, God. I know Wait, come back to left playing. back? I'll come back to left back. Chris Commons was playing. Mm-hmm. Miku was playing. See, mm-hmm. this is me just pulling up moments in my mind. Yeah. Wanyama, of course. Yep. Okay, so what have I said? Commons, Miku, Wanyama, Mulgrew. So let me just count. You've got one, two, three players left to get. Three players. Now, we had injuries that night. So Hooper was out. Brown was out. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ooh, 2011. Oh, no. This is harder than you think, by I the know, way. I know. I'll give you I'll give you a clue for uh, the, so the three you're missing is the left back, a mm-hmm. midfielder, and a striker. We played two up top. Wow. That's interesting. Apparently so, yeah. Apparently Samaras. so. Samaras. Samaras, yep. That's the big Samaras. man. Talk of a up cult top. hero, by the way. I know. The question is who was playing behind Charlie Mulgrew? Who was playing left back that night? Oh my god. Dearie, dearie me. I think you're going to... I'll give you a clue. The two you're you've going got... To have to. The two you've got missing mm-hmm. are both uh, compatriots, but not Scottish. Not Scottish, right. Okay. Um, dearie me. This is much, much harder <laughs> than it sounds. God. People are shouting it in the comments, I'm telling you, right? They, they oh. will be, but then my brain's gone. This is the thing. See all these people that are on, like, who wants to be a millionaire mastermind and everything? They know the answers, by the way. They do. I know, the, I know. The mind goes blank. Right. I'll give, I'll give you another 10 seconds. If you don't get it, we'll get back to the to the 11. Oh, Laura, Laura, Laura. That's bad. That's bad. It's somebody playing alongside Wanyama in the cent- centre of midfield, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in place of Bruni, who would that have been? Stokesy wasn't playing that night. Tell me, nope. Stokes wasn't playing. No, no, nope. he came after that. No, I'll need to come back to it. Sorry, Laura. Uh, it was. I'll give you them. Left back was Adam Matthews. Oh, Joe Ledley. Oh, how and could Joe I forget? Ledley. How could I forget <laughs> those two? There you go, Jungle Lion and Ryan Taylor were shouting it. Yep, yep. They're screaming, Paul. You don't have a Celtic state of mind. You are a Dunfermline <laughs> Athletic fan. Move on. You've just been exposed. Right. Thanks yeah. for that, Laura. I'll be back to your right. I'm never French playing that again. Club. I'm never ever playing that again. <laughs> again. <laughs> right. Let's get back to this. Now, the, the next question I wanted to ask, we're on to the outfield players. 
the shape of the team is important here. Now, I'm I'm inclined since it's a, a team since two thousand. I'm inclined to go the old three five two, three center centers, um, three wing backs, uh, two wing backs, two in midfield. We supporting uh, attacking mid and two strikers. Do you agree or disagree? Would you rather go with the more modern four three three? So we've got two wing backs, two centre halves. Three three uh, centre halves. Three centre halves, back. sorry, two wing backs. And then where does it go after that? I'm still ruining from Joe Ledley there, sorry. Two centre mids, attacking mid, um, and two strikers. Two up top. Right. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm happy yeah, to select. That. I mean there. we can we can move it about. It's a fluid system we've got. It's a fluid <laughs> system we've got. Yep. So Centre backs. I mean, you could just name at this point Martin O'Neill's back three of Valharan, Mialbi, Baldi. That would be easy to do, but that would be leaving out people like Van Dyke uh, that we've had at the back before. Now, the, the the debate that people have about Van Dyke is yes, he's gone on to become one of the best defenders in the world. Of that, there's no doubt, and certainly it was obvious that that's the way he was going when he was in a Celtic shirt. But the two things that go against him are. He, he wasn't in, I mean, he was successful at Celtic, but he wasn't in the most memorable of Celtic teams of all time, some might say. And he wasn't quite the player that he is today. So if you're putting Van Dyke in, you're not putting in peak Liverpool Van Dyke. We're trying to think about whether at Celtic he was one of the greatest players of all time. What's your thoughts on that? That's a great point. That is a great point because you, you, you pick Van Dyke as the man rather than from that particular two or three years or seasons that he played at Celtic. Um, but even when he was here, I do remember thinking to myself, the guy's levels above everybody around about him. Everybody in the, in the whole country that plays football, Van Dijk is the best player. But then I think what eventually happened was, uh, with anything in life, if the challenge uh, doesn't keep pushing you, you can stagnate. And that, So for, on a personal level, it was probably time for him to go. Mm-hmm. Um he would still get a game in my my back three. I'm I'm listing a few guys here. Like you've got Vohar and Mialbi and Baldi. And time time has been really kind to, to Bobby Baldi. Bobby? <laughs> Bobo. Bobby Baldi, yep. I, I had a cat. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest about I'm gonna be honest about Baldi here. Uh, and people will absolutely roast me, but I'm not I'm used to it. Uh I think the, the memory that sticks out for me is that sending off in the Seville game. And I don't know if it was representative from my mem- memory of Baldi as a player, whether he was that reckless all the time. But I would feel a little bit like he's a bit of a loose cannon in that back three. And that would that would give me that would give me the fear. Well, you you imagine this is the team that we're taking into a European final. This is the way I'm kind of visualising it. If you're taking this team into a European final and you're going into the last 10 minutes, can you count on him to see it through or would you be expecting or half expecting something to happen and it might be him that causes it? I'm not saying he was a bad player. I'm no rewriting history, but you do look at some of these moments and I know it ended badly as well at Celtic when you you remember um, the famous quote, um, Peter Lowell is the CEO of Celtic Bobo Baldi is the CEO of Bobo Baldi. <laughs> and uh, he decided to sit on the big fat contract that he had and not play football. And that that soils it a bit for me as well. Yeah. He never played many games near the end. But based simply on ability, um, I've got my three and Baldi doesn't make the cut. 
Baldy doesn't make the cut. I don't think he makes the cut for me either. Now, I'm going to make a suggestion here, and it might be unfair to the man because there might be another reason why you've got him in. But I, I, if he's watching today, for your safety this week, I think we put Mialbi in. Because oh. you've got to come face to face with him later this week. <laughs> it's bad enough sharing a stage with people like Charlie Mulgrew and Johan Mialbi that look as though they've been chiselled out of some kind of granite, right? Um, then walking on a stage after you've not put them in the team. I would put Mialbi in there. I, thought... I think I think Mialbi is the one, for me personally, who I just don't think he gets spoken about enough. I, I think he, I think everybody loves Van Dyke because of what he's went on to become. Everybody loves Baldi, who I think, by the way, if you put Boric in goal... You put Baldi in the back three because that's the way the team's going. It's that kind of, you know, the, the, the Bobo's going to get you, the, the player that, that everybody loves. But I think Mialbi was just so solid, so dependable, struck fear into anybody. And like you say, looks as if he could still have a game today. By the looks of I know, I know. And again, he was uh, a midfielder. He was a midfielder who w- was switched to the back by Martin O'Neill. And I just thought, I asked him, I asked O'Neill why he did it. He said he didn't have the pace. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just, you know, on a one-to-one basis, try to win a ball. He didn't have the, the speed of thought to be playing in the midfield where it's maybe two touch, one touch. Uh, but take put him at the back, his anticipation. Uh, he was brilliant in the air for me. Great tackler, strength, composure. Um, fantastic player. He makes, he definitely makes my centre-half three. Absolutely, I'm I'm in agreement with that. Getting the comments, if you disagree, I don't know if we're going to change it at this point. Because listen, uh, Paul John is the John Kennedy to my, uh, I don't know, to my Brendan Rodgers at the moment. I suppose um, it's uh, it's it's our call at the end of the day. But if you've got any names that we haven't picked up on, then then give us a shout, and and maybe they might just sneak in at the last minute. We've got one more central defender to go. Who's your man? Who's who's that one in the in the three that you've got? And I'll see if it's the one that I'm thinking of. Right now, this might I like these graphics. It reminds me of Championship Manager. It does. Um, it does. I, I don't know if people are going to agree, disagree, think I'm being a bit premature with this um, because this season hasn't been his vintage campaign. But in terms of three Nat defenders, Phillips. Nat Phillips, uh, Nathaniel, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I imagine a, a you know three defenders, Van Dyke. Mialbe and Carter Vickers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, what a trio that is at the back. I, I don't think it needs any more debate than that. I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about Carter Vickers and the impact that he's had. I think we all remember when when Ange arrived, the mess that, that the back four was in. He just gave that steadying presence, didn't he? That, that kind of solid, dependable presence. He can tackle, he can head the ball, he can play the ball out of defence. And you're just... And, and don't get me wrong, he's had he's had a couple of shaky moments this season that we're all aware of. But in the main, the guy has been absolutely rock, rock solid for us. Yeah. Uh, and the thing with, with, with CCV is it's when he's not there, Laura. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in a... We were in a bit of a, a frenzy. We, we ended up in a bit of a lather over the fact that we had a an injury crisis. And from that came the, the resurgence or the emergence even of Liam Scales. And people say anybody that plays alongside CCV looks better. I think that's a wee bit of a, you know, a comment that's a wee bit disparaging on the likes of Scales. 
but I know what they mean. And they used to say the same with Van Dyke, you know, denier. Denier is very rarely uh, touted in, in discussions like this. But on a, in a standalone, isolated basis, he was a tremendous centre-half. Brilliant. And he got goals as well. I think CCV, um, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, he's never played alongside someone of the same level. Mm-hmm. And I would love mm-hmm. to see that, by the way, Laura. You imagine us, instead of and no disrespecting Novrosky or Lagerbielk, don't know what the, their future holds, but you imagine we brought in a CCV kind of level player to play alongside Cam and Carter Vickers. That would have been well, frightening. I think it says everything about him that, you know, Starfelt is, is much more adored by some people than he is by me, but I think it's a I think it's a testament to um to Carter Vickers as a player that he quite obviously made Starfelt a better player. He definitely made him to the point where even when CCV then went out, Starfelt was a more sure and, and solid uh, choice to have when when a Stephen Welsh or somebody came in beside him. So, you know, sometimes the mark of a good player is not what they do individually, but the effect they have on their teammates. Definitely, I remember um, when when the news started filtering through that Starfield Starfield I'm thinking of Garfield Starfelt was uh, on his way. Uh, I thought about the partnership rather than the individual. I just thought they guys had an understanding. Uh, sometimes Starfelt wouldn't have had the best game in the world, but it was the partnership that I was concerned about. And it has taken us a while to get to a point where, and, and by the way, it's been stopping start all season. The amount of permutations we've had in that area of the park due to injury, um, it shows you how important it is. Once you've got it, I, never, I, I would never take it for granted anyway, but um, I think that once you've got it, try and keep it together because it's so, so hard to, to replicate it that partnership at the back. And if you've got the two central defenders with an understanding with the goalie, then there's your backbone. You know, that that is key to any success. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Bob White says CCV is excellent, but the SPFL standard is poor, so there must be a better player than CCV. If you think there is, then definitely get in the comments and let us know. There might be somebody somebody missing that, that we've we've not thought of. Um, anybody who's played in a Celtic shirt since the year two thousand is eligible to win this team. So if you have a if you have a better option then then let us know. Um uh, before we move on to the, the midfield and, and the forward line, uh, let me just remind everybody that you are watching Thoughts on the Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn and my first ever guest, Paul John Dykes. It's great to have you on. It's an honour to have been asked to be back on the Axon platform for this charity weekend. Don't forget why we're all doing this as well. We're all doing this to raise money for We Jamie Tierney. Um, the GoFundMe links will be in the description. Um, if you are able to at this time of year, which I know is difficult for people, then please, please give what you can to help his family and help Jamie in his um, con- uh, managing his condition uh, of muscular dystrophy. It's um, a, a devastating condition that he needs all the help he can get for. So, um, we're all with you, Jamie, if you're watching. This is all for you, and uh, we will uh, do our best to raise as much money as we can for you. Absolutely, yeah. Laura. No, thanks for that, because it's just it's one of these things. Every year, we will try our absolute utmost. If you're going to get a platform that has people's attention, and as I said earlier, a community of people within the comments section, um, and you pull together. It's all about pulling together. Everybody doing a wee tiny bit, 
and then just collecting it all up and saying to the family, this is what we've got. And we're doing it every month as well at the live events, Laura. So mm-hmm. as much as we can... As much as we can muster, we will uh, send it wee Jamie's way. Well, I just told you, I don't know if it will manage to make it into the auction this afternoon, but I told you before we went online that I have also um, put put in my own donation. So I have a couple of shirts going. It is a signed shirt from the 2011-12 season, a cracking shirt, by the way, just mm-hmm. on its own without the signatures. That Tenants logo, I quite like that one as far as sponsor logos go. And we've got a centenary shirt signed by the man, the myth, the legend, Frank McAvenny. So if uh, if you want one of those, uh, I don't know if they'll manage to make it into the auction today, but certainly Paul John, through his usual routes, will uh, will get that up for auction and all funds from that auction will go to um, we Jamie, Jamie Tierney and his family as well. So get involved later on today if you are not um, already aware of it. Um, we'll move on to the wingbacks now. Again, if we had Boric and Baldi, my left wing back would be none other than the man, the myth, the legend that is Stefan Mahi. <laughs> Just there's two teams here, isn't there? There is a cult team to be had as well. There is there is a parallel going on, and I actually googled Stefan Mahi to to talk about him, and uh, forgot about. Do you remember when he had that haircut that was like, if there's any less than a blade zero, like he had that. Still a full head of hair on the top, not even like a mohawk, pretty much like a full head of hair on the top, but both sides completely shaved. I think it was maybe 98, 99 or something like that, because I think he was wearing, or 97, 98, because I think he was wearing the strip that we we stopped the 10 in. And, uh, oh my God, you wouldn't want to meet him in a dark night, that's for sure. He fell asleep at a party, didn't he? <laughs> definitely did. The thing is, I managed to uh, a pal of mine after after I left the school. We were born on the same day, but I'm a year older than him, if that makes sense. And uh, he signed for Celtic when we left, you know, S form as, as it was. <clears throat> and uh, I got to know a, a, a teammate of his, and I was talking to him. And I'm the type of person, probably like yourself, Laura, where you're asking him about certain individuals. Yeah. And uh, when he spoke about. Uh, my, it's interesting how you've got a perception of him. I always just thought he was a bit of a loose cannon, unhinged. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he was telling me, he was like, you know, this is a guy, we signed him from PSG. He came through like French Academy football. He said his, uh, his application to training was second to none. He was like the ultimate professional. And I'm thinking, I don't know why I'm surprised at that. I just thought he was a bit a bit kind of like uh, unhinged. Like he, he's the kind of guy that might do something and get sent off, Laura, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But apparently behind the scenes, he was absolutely brilliant. A great example to all the young guys coming through. Oh, 100%. I think that goes underrated and it goes underrated by a lot of these players. He was a fantastic footballer. There's absolutely yeah. no doubt about that. But he just had that wee edge to him that you were like, oh my God, he looks like, I don't know if you can even say it these days, but he looks like a bit of a nutter, but I love him. Um, but uh, absolutely classed. If, if you've heard uh, the first stream where we premiered Kevin Graham's EP, uh, whatever you've just said is now, isn't going to make any difference now, Laura. <laughs> we opened it up and Kev just got stuck right in about Graham Sunis, Alan Shearer. You can just about say anything now. Well, there you go. I'm I'm off the hook then as far as that's concerned. If anybody's not watched it either, I was um, up doing a few bits and bobs at eight o'clock this morning and I had you and Chad's new key burden and uh, Kevin on talking about Sean Ryder. And as somebody whose musical tastes differ quite significantly from the Pogues, uh, I, I took it to heart when he said, uh, 
something about hey, there's folk that only know the fairy tale in New York. I, I felt a bit personally attacked by that one but I have to say it's a great hour's watch some of the memories that he shares about watching the Pogues and about uh, Shane McGowan and uh, I would encourage you to go back and watch that but let's get back to the left back chat um, am Chaz, I... Chaz is brilliant Chaz is a brilliant uh, speak. I could sit and just listen to him Laura. He's brilliant. absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant I'm going to go back and watch the old shows that he's been on actually after mm. that because I haven't, I haven't seen them so I'll definitely go back and watch that left back I mean You've got luminaries such as Danny Fox, Lee Naylor, uh, <laughs> all of those kind of people that you could put in. Uh, Lee Naylor would not make it in if Arthur Boric was in goal because we all know that wouldn't end well. Um, but it's got to be Kieran Tierney. It's got to be. Well, this this is a, the thing because I, I think both on both sides, we've gone through spells, Laura, where we've simply not replaced certain players and mm-hmm. it's affected teams. You know, you know, there's been a knock-on effect, and I think after, and I'm not saying he's in my team, but after uh, Lustig uh, left the building, it took us far too long to properly replace him as a right back. Mm-hmm. Because I used to say that at one point last season we had three right backs and Juranovic, Ralston, um, and Jermaine Johnston, and I thought we couldn't we couldn't find a right back for long enough. And you know, Kieran Tierney made such an impact that he's had the same effect on the teams after him in that we just can't replace them, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I love the the fairy tale element of a young guy coming through, probably not the best player through the ages uh, as an underage player, but has the application, the attitude, the desire, all these things that you can't coach. Um, and he became an absolute hero to the point where when he left, Laura, he changed my, he probably changed my view on football. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that football had been sullied, um, English football, you know, that had been um, for me soiled and and everything else. But it couldn't happen to us, you know. And it, the the one thing is, if a player comes from elsewhere, he had no connection to the club, and he uses us, and we make a lot of money off him. I think we'd already agreed that's fine. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, uh, Katie, I never ever thought it would happen, but it did because he was so good. Um, and I'm struggling to think of a better left back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he gets a, a bit of unfair criticism nowadays because there are some who think that he chased the money and that he that he turned his back on us and all that kind of thing. I think I think anybody with uh, their head in their shoulders knows that uh, uh, in this day and age you can't turn down the kind of money that he was being uh, or that that we were being offered for him, and then and and. F- Close follow-up to that, he was being offered life-changing money himself, which you don't begrudge him. Um, a couple of other comments coming in there. Frank Brennan says, the longer we Tosh is away, I'm, I'm presuming he's talking about Tosh McKinley, the more Ashley Cole he becomes, which <laughs> is a bit, bit harsh. I thought Tosh was a cracking player. Great delivery of a ball. But yeah, maybe not as good as people like to remember, but 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 good all, all the same. Um, and... Um, yeah, uh, Cal Mack at left back, Paddy Lavery says, no, I think we all know how that one ends. 
Um, I think Tierney's got to be the man in there um, for us. Right back, mm. again, if you've got the parallels between the player and the hero, Lustig is the hero. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that famous celebration of his against Rangers with a policeman's hat on, where even the policeman who, dare I say, might have been of a certain persuasion, uh, couldn't help but smile, I'm sure. Um, you know, he's he's cult hero right back by any manner of means, but I, my personal choice, and I'll tell you why, is Didier Agat for a couple of reasons. I don't know, Henrik Larsson aside, whether we've had a better bargain than Didier Agat in our history. I also think that it's amazing how he adapted to that that right wing back position. Considering, I think a lot of people don't don't often remember that was he not playing at like a number ten or just off the striker or something like that for Hibs yep. and banging in the goals. So the fact that he came and became you know this iconic marauding right back uh, really speaks volumes for me. And also, I still talk to my brother about this to this day. Never seen a better slide tackler in my life. The way he would just chase people down scoop the ball and run away with it. I I, I love the guy. Yeah, uh, I've got great memories of a guy because um, he had been playing for one of the teams local to me, uh, geographically that is, uh, Wraith Rovers. And I think he he went to Hibs from Wraith Rovers. He had plucked them from obscurity and taken up the Fife obscurity um, before he went to Hibs. It was an unbelievable bit of business. Uh, the 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 one thing I can't get out of my mind though, Laura, Axon were the shirt sponsors of the old Celtic. They were called the Celtic Greats, but people would say that they weren't great and all that. So every now and again, as a means of staying fit, I would get a game. I'd be a sub. Frank McGavey, the late Frank McGavey was the the gaffer, and uh, it was a sympathy vote because I was sponsoring the jerseys. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't care because it meant I could share a, a dressing room and a pitch with Celtic players. You're not turning Agat, that down, no. Exactly. Agat was playing right back. Um, I got brought on on the... No, he was playing right mid. I got brought on at right back and I was overlapping him. He's mm-hmm. lost his pace, Laura. I don't care if he's 50-odd. He's lost his pace. He's got no zip about him. And this old guy with no ability was absolutely beating him down the right <laughs> wing. So that, that's the reason he's not getting on my team. It's a bit harsh. That's 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 harsh. That is that is a that's what um one might call a personal agenda. I it think. definitely is an agenda, isn't it? So who so who's your man? Who's your man? Right. Now I've been staying away from the cult element um mm-hmm. because by the very nature of them, that isn't the reason I'm not playing a guy. Come on. He got a bad injury, <laughs> didn't he? And he was never the same. It was against He did, Hart. he did. Yeah. Um yep. Lustig is up there. He's in my. He's in my. He's in a discussion. He definitely is in the discussion because, as well as the police hats and the beach balls and you know, running about like the the shroud of Turin after scoring against Rangers and all that, um, and then pretending he was playing the keys. Remember, he did it at uh, training, and then it became a meme, and then he did it in a cup game against Hibs. I love the guy, and he was absolutely gorgeous as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we Jackie is we Jackie getting a mention? <sighs> The wee man. My sister's going to kill me. I think you're... I mean, if you were to put Jackie and Lustig up together and say who... Because I know Jackie could play just about anywhere. But who, uh, listen, who Jack, Jackie blows it out of the water for me. Mm-hmm. It's, he says it all in his song, if you've heard his song. 
Um, his name is McNamara. He's a Celtic boy's right back. His 40 is turning defence into attack. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. I was at the... I was at the... Um, Axom audience with Jackie McNamara at Grace's, uh, which, geez, oh, it's been a long year. Uh, was was this year, wasn't it? It was. It would have been in the first. It would have been May. It would have been May. Was it yep. only May? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Seems like a long time ago now. But I mean, the stories he's got, I think perhaps the reason he didn't come immediately to mind for me, and he talks about this in his book at great length, which I've read, he wasn't. Martin O'Neill's first choice, something that Martin O'Neill has since gone on to, to I wouldn't say apologise for because he, he's not somebody that's going to apologise for the choices that he made as a manager, but certainly um, perhaps regret in some ways the way that, that, that Jackie was treated in that time and he was in and out of the team. I don't think he started in Seville, did he? Um, uh, you're muted, Paul, I think. Sorry, Laura. <laughs> uh, the only reason that, that I think uh, I know that he did start, somebody can, can correct me, did he start? I can see him on the bench now, actually. He shared the room with, with John Hartson, who, who was obviously injured. And mm-hmm. you remember that night in Grace's, he tells a story about Big John. Yes. Because he wasn't playing, he was allowed to go out for a few <laughs> shandies with Tom Boyd. <laughs> yeah, refreshments. Uh, Big, Big John was the kind of guy who never trained because he liked a Kit Kat and a packet of Monster Munch and all this stuff. If he never trained for a couple of weeks, he would put on a few pounds, let's just mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he came in after his one or two swallies with Celtic fans who might be in the comment section right now, Laura, he sat on the end of his bed, remember? And he yes. said he was sitting there like a little Buddha, the belly out and all this. Uh, Jackie, uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm going to bring up the Seville team actually because, man, I might be, Honestly. I might be, I might be wrong. I have a, I have a recollection, um, but I might be thinking about somebody else. So, um, feel free to to correct me on that one. But I know he was, I know he was in and out of the team around that time, and he wasn't a, an automatic starter. So, um, but he was on the bench. I came on for the last. He came on uh, seventy six minutes. Yeah. So I mean. I, I I love the guy. Uh, my sister and I actually, for purely footballing reasons, uh, queued up outside the newly opened Celtic Superstore back in 1996 or seven or something like that to get a picture with him and his pal, Simon Donnelly. Oh, Just because we thought they were great footballers, obviously. Of course, I um, to do with the fact that they were fresh-faced uh, heartthrobs, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had, to, we had to queue in the rain get in, carrier posters past that wee bit that used to have the fully decorated Celtic bedroom um, and all that stuff. <laughs> I remember that. There's a great picture, actually, Simon Donnelly in that bedroom, fully <laughs> clothed in everything, head to toe Celtic stuff with the Celtic tartan bed sheets. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow. We, we've actually had dial-ins from actual contributors with bedrooms like that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm not uh, naming who it is, though. Uh, no wee guys either. No wee guys. <laughs> But uh, no, I think I think Jackie Mack uh, takes the biscuit. He's got that lineage. His dad obviously played for the club as well. He's he's a fantastic ambassador for the club to this day. But he was a brilliant, brilliant footballer. We we could do actually with somebody with the delivery of a Tierney or a McNamara uh, nowadays for 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 Kyogo to go on the end of. He would have lapped that up, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I always think, again, it's a story I've told before uh, in our media studies class in, uh, was it fifth or sixth year at the high school? We had this massive big camcorder, you know, a big huge thing and all that. And we used to like make our own adverts and all that, Laura. But we also had access to East End Park. Mm-hmm. And um, they, the club would allow us to, um, as a school, would allow us to record the games. Um, I think one camera would train the whole game and then the second camera would, by request, the manager at the time was Bert Payton, the second camera would would follow a player for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is like, as you can imagine, mid-90s, but they had the kind of foresight back then to have video analysis. This was a very, very old version of it, of course, and, and they're basically getting getting it for free from the local high school. Um, and I remember being aware of Jackie because of that. I was aware of this guy that was playing right back, skinny wee guy at Dunfermline, um, and before you knew it, all the teams were interested in him because uh, Kennedy Wish wanted him. Uh, Arsenal were interested in him. Um, you, you had, uh, I think, maybe Liverpool as well. And then Celtic and Rangers. And Aberdeen. Roy Aiken was the manager of Aberdeen. And he tried to, to sign on for Aberdeen. And eventually it comes under uh, Tommy Burns. But he developed. If you look at the Jackie that played in that last game under Martin O'Neill against Dundee United in the Scottish Cup final where he's the captain of the club, mm. and you compare him, to that skinny wee lad that made his debut against Falkirk. You actually seen him growing from a boy up to a man, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, he really evolved and, yeah, it will always be a, a, not a regret, it's not anything I had anything to do with, but a disappointment of mine that he, he departed the club in the manner that he did. Again, he, he covered that at Grace's in the live show. He covered it at great detail in his book. It's not the way that you treat somebody leaving the club who's given the amount of service that he has. And I'm sure that there are people still at the club today who who perhaps, if they were asked honestly, would, would handle that situation differently. But uh, thankfully, uh, Jackie doesn't seem like the type of guy to hold that against anybody. And therefore, you know, he still very much loves the club and, and we love him in return. Um, uh, you know, you know, one last thing on Jackie, uh, mm-hmm. Laura, right? Um, obviously... We had done a few gigs at his place in Glasgow, Don Max. And when I went in the last time, it was the end of October for the Pierre gig. And we had done the St. Rock's game on the 15th. And um, everybody was talking about the players because Jerry was there. Jerry had been in goals and all that. Everybody was talking about it. And uh, he says to me, he goes, why did you not ask me to play? And he was like, deadpan, deadpan. And I'm going, oh, eh. and I kind of stumbled. He's going, it's causing my brain injury. And he put me right on the spot, right? He put me right on the spot. I was like, well, I wasn't sure if you still play. And he starts laughing. He goes, I would have definitely played. Remember and ask me the next time. And I think that he's a great loss to Scottish football and potentially to Celtic, not because I think it's an old pals act. I think he's a talent spotter and we should have him in, in some capacity, in at the academy. You look at the talent. I'm I'm telling you, I might be about to cut you off here, but... Anybody who wants to look at the amount of talent he can spot, go and look at that Dundee United team that he he coached and, and fed through. It is a who's who of Scottish football stars, and it's, it's no small part down to him. That's incredible. And th- there's even a decent record, Laura, in, at, at Partick Thistle. Uh, there's players that he brought in at Partick Thistle that went on to, to really craft out a career, maybe at a different level, but it showed that within the confines of whatever club he was working at until he went to York and that was just a bad move. 
Um, he'd done really, really well. I think he was thrown under a bus. We all know he was uh, by the boy Thompson at Dundee United. But when you look like you see his track record, everybody remembers Robertson and all that. But he's, you know, he had Suter. Uh, he had the two suitors in at Tannadice. And uh, his record's brilliant. He's a talent spotter. I think Celtic should have him in at the academy. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't disagree. Now, the next section we have, we're going to consider all three positions together, the, the two central midfield positions and the attacking midfield position. This, for me, is possibly going to create the most amount of debate of the whole team. Because when you think about it, you've got McGregor, you've got mm. Scott Brown, you've got Paul Lambert, you've got Neil Lennon. Looking at the attacking midfield position, you've got Stylian Petrov, you've got... Nakamura, you've got uh, some people, I have even seen a few shouts for Chris Commons in there, I know he's not a popular character today, but he was a fantastic player for us uh, when he did play for us, I mean he's not getting in, but I thought I would mention him (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brutal, that's ruthless Well, listen he can can DM me about it if he's concerned Um, (laughs) Listen, I I, I'm going to put put my cards on the table I can't pick all of them, obviously, but one that I feel has to be in there just for this year. I don't know if we've ever had a player of the talent of this guy, certainly not coming to Celtic from the level of the game he was playing at. Paul Lambert has to be in there for me. I I can't see any argument against it unless somebody can present it. He was a fantastic passer of the ball. When people talk about anchoring a team, uh, that he is he is the guy that comes to mind when you think of that and yes you might I might be influenced a little bit by his time previous to coming to Celtic but he came from a team that was the cream of Europe European quality at the time to Celtic and brought that quality with him before you talk about Lennon Brown McGregor Petrov anybody Lambert's got to be in there for me am I wrong no, you're not. You're definitely not wrong. And you're also looking at the impact, like you say, of the group of players that he comes in and joins. Um, we all know, I remember watching uh, Lambert for Motherwell, where he went to take a corner. I think it was during the Hamden season and he fell over the billboard and the Celtic fans laughed because we had nothing else to laugh about at that mm. time. But that we, we he had the last laugh because when he became a free agent um, at Fort Park, he and I don't know if it was because there was maybe agents at the time, Laura, who were pushing certain players to to move. Because I remember Scott Booth, didn't he move to Germany as well? He did. He moved to Dortmund uh, as well, yeah. And then I think uh, it didn't work out for him. He ended up in Holland or something like that. He, he moved a couple of different places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for me, it was uh, a case of a guy who absolutely maximised his footballing ability and his influence was in- incredible. Firstly, in that Vim Janssen team, um, you don't bring Lambert in there. You don't win the league. It's fin- mm-hmm. as simple as that. And we did the, the interview with him. It was for the channel. It was for the channel. So it's on YouTube. And he spoke about the fact that he asked to be dropped for the, the League Cup final. He asked Vim Janssen to drop him because he said, listen, um, I'm not playing well enough. That kind of you know, ability and insight, uh, but self-awareness, to know that your form's not good enough, uh, I'll sit this one out, and it's a cup final. Paul Lambert was, uh, for me, if you were to put him up against Neil Lennon, let's just use one of the examples of the names that, that you've used, and I'm not revising history because I loved Lennon as a player. Uh, he had a very specific role, a very defensive role, where he would break up teams. He's a, his influence was huge. But you watch Lambert, and you sometimes forget 
just how um, creative a player he was. You know, he, he was he was frighteningly good with, with his distribution, brilliant goals from the midfield, and a proper captain. So, Lambo, Lambo, I I would go for Paul Lambert, no doubt. Absolutely, I think he's he's probably the least debatable. The other position. And certainly the attacking midfield position uh, is where there's a little bit more debate. I think if you're having this conversation in a few years' time, you might be talking about Matt O'Reilly in there. Um, that, yeah, yeah. Um, he's prob- it's probably, I'm sure he'll be gutted, but it's probably come a bit soon for him to, to get into our um, <laughs> best 11. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah you, know a- the, you know he's got high standards. You, you just know that that kind of thing, you would be thinking, why, why am I knowing? Well, yeah. we're, we're talking about a guy who won the Champions League prior to coming to Celtic, of course. Um, it, it came to a, a side who, it wasn't like we had just had a bad season the year before, Laura, when Paul Lambert joined Celtic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'd had nine bad seasons, you know. Um, yeah. Massive. It was absolutely pivotal. By the way, he's nowhere, this next guy is nowhere near the team. But see that season, uh, Craig Burley's uh, contribution is often overlooked. Craig Burley was sensational that season for us. Do you know something? If I was having a, if I was having a an eleven of this time period, where it was all about players that just gave me a little bit of a nostalgic feeling, um, and it wasn't based on anything they've done since or necessarily on their overall football and ability, Craig Burley might be in there for me because I just remember being a a t- nine ten year old at the time and seeing this guy come up from Chelsea and. It was quite a glamorous signing at the time, even though he was a Scottish guy. It was like quite a big signing for us, and then he's rattling in goals like against Rangers and other teams that you just think, "I've never seen us do this before," and it just it it was it was a revelation, really. So yeah, Craig Burley, I totally get, but but like you say, he doesn't. He's he's far down the list in terms of quality of footballer um, that we would be looking forward to get into this team. I think personally for this other position, because I think you could talk about, you could maybe talk about, I don't know, I'm struggling because Petrov could be in the attacking mid position, but I have a certain name there that I think is going to trump everybody. So your three choices for me at this other position is Scott Brown, Stylian Petrov and Callum McGregor. How do you choose between that? For two reasons. I'm I'm picking my player because I think that there's a better option in front of him. That's one mm. reason. But when you put him up against the the three that you just mentioned there, and it's just ability we're talking about, mm-hmm. just ability for me, and absolutely shoot me down. It's Stan Petrov. Okay, okay. I'm throwing Petrov in there. I mean, I listen. I love Stan Petrov. One of the first shirts I had with a name on the back was Stylian Petrov. I love all the stories about him working in the burger van to learn English. I read his book way back in the day when it probably, I don't know any other 12-year-old girl who was reading a Stylian Petrov autobiography, but I was. Um, He he had this ability to bomb on from midfield uh, that, again, was something I had never really seen before. But what's interesting about him, I think people forget this, is he came in around that John Barnes period and did not set the heather alight when he started. He, he, yeah. he really took time to settle in. And I think that's something that maybe we don't have the patience for nowadays that we did did back in the day. But yeah, what's your memories of Petrov and, and why does he get in against 
ahead of people like McGregor and Brown, who people will be absolutely shooting us down for suggesting don't make this team. I know they, they will. And and by the way, you know when somebody else in twenty or thirty years is reading through the the, the history books, we spoke about Laura players that we didn't see playing for Celtic, but in your mind they're in the greatest ever team, or mm-hmm. you know. All you need to do is look at the records of Scott Brown and Callum McGregor. They are modern day legends of the club. One of one of them is still playing for the club. You, they're in the top five most decorated players. They're uh, Scott Brown uh, made over six hundred appearances. There's only twelve players in the history of the club who has made that many appearances. He's in that table. McGregor's going to join them. Uh, five hundred plus club. Um, so yeah, they're absolutely up there. But I'm thinking about ability. You know what? I'm even thinking about the balance of playing alongside Lambert as much either. Although now that I look at it, that would be an awesome midfield partnership. Um, Lambert's definitely uh, dropping back while Petrov bombs on, I think, and that's where you're yeah. getting your balance there. Yeah, I think. See, see when you when I think of Petrov, um, you're right. There, there was probably a point where he was one of the guys on the periphery of your squad who's not contributing. I'm talking prior to Martin O'Neill coming in. And had he then been loaned back out to a team in Bulgaria, we'd have been gone, well, that never worked out. I remember the, the problems we had getting on his work permit and Haristo Stoichkov had to write him a reference and all that. Um, and then he was a bit heavy. And Martin O'Neill jokes about this. He says, ah, oh, Stan Petrov, you know, he couldn't speak the, the language that well. So he got and told me a guy who had a burger van. It's probably in his book so that he could learn how to speak English and earn a few quid on the side. He said, but it didn't work. What happened was Petrov put on four stone and the guy that run the van, the guy that run the van could speak brilliant Bulgarian. He said, <laughs> that, that's what happened. So when he took over, he said that Petrov still had a bit of timber to lose, you know, so that yeah. there was a conditioning issue. But once he hit peak fitness, you mm-hmm. remember Petrov after every game, it's like somebody had thrown a bucket of water over him. Mm-hmm. He, he went, I, I don't know how much miles he covered in a game. He was sensational. His work rate was unbelievable. Um, Lambert Lambert, and Petrov for me. But, you know, I know that you could maybe argue the toss for somebody else. Listen, I think I think you could sit here all day and, and, and argue the merits of, of a lot. The one thing I will say, and again, I'm probably setting myself up here, Scott Brown for me gets into that 11 that we're talking about that's got Boric, Baldy, Lustig, players of that ilk, if you're talking about sheer ability, I think he's probably behind McGregor and Petrov for me. McGregor, I'm absolutely heartbroken, is not in there. Um, but I think Petrov takes it for me. Um, and maybe maybe that's a bit of recency bias, maybe because Callum's not having a great season, we're maybe thinking about him in different terms, but but you can, the other way of looking at it is if somebody presented you with this team without debate, would you say it's 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 a good team? And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, looking at now, I'm already thinking, having looked at some of the comments coming in, whether we need to do, I know this is a bit of an unconventional shape, but whether we need to do this and swap things about, because I have two names that are, uh, it's going to break my heart to leave one of them out, but there are two names that are vying for that mercurial number 10 position to have the freedom to float around, to do what they want, to use the football and brains that they undoubtedly have, the magicians that are Shinsuke Nakamura and Lubomir Moravchik. That is what the choice comes down to, doesn't it? They're on this wee list here with ticks next to their name because that that is the two. And 
How on earth? How on earth? None of them, none of them could tackle. None of them were prepared to tackle. Uh, but the manager let them off with it, and so did we as fans, Laura. Because you know your data, well, your data list. So I need a player that that's got uh, defensive blocks and this and that. All right, well, I've got this guy called Nakamura. He can strike a ball. He's no bad at that. Defensively, he's rubbish. Oh, you would still buy him, you know, because everything he had would outweigh that in droves. And Lupo was the same. People mm-hmm. forget the guy was a magician. You know, Zidane spoke about him. Uh, the amount of players who wanted his jersey after games, Laura, he was unbelievable, unbelievable talent. And there's, there's that question. Lubo himself believes, uh, although not from the start, he believes he could have given us something in Seville had he still been at the club. He obviously left the year before. Uh, but he said he, he could give us something. And I don't disagree with it. By the way, I'm, I'm struggling to choose between the two. I'm, I want to hear your take on it before I make a shout. If there's, if there's a, if there's two players that make you understand what it feels to be a football supporter in its purest form, it's these two players. It doesn't matter about the stats, and I and I love a stat. Like I, I really love listening to all that stuff and and hearing people justify their their points of view using that. Yeah. Nakamura was a beautiful player. That's the only way you can put it, um, opinionated Glaswegian. Um, I'm going to, again, lay my cards on the table because I'm not afraid to do this. I think if you have Moravchik 10 years earlier and you get more time out of him and he does it for us at the top level in the Champions League, then it's not even a question. He's in there. The thing about Nakamura was I can name more magical moments that I can remember, both domestically and in Europe, that he gave us than, than Lubo did. Lubo, that that game against Rangers when he scored those goals and didn't really understood what he'd done, iconic. It was replicated only recently by, by Rio Hitati. Um, you know, controlling the ball with his backside, that famous story Andy Gorham tells about not being able to understand which foot he was going to hit free kicks with. Moravchik is is utterly, utterly magical. But Nakamura just has that edge for me because he did it on the biggest stage for us in, in a way that that made us made people sit up and take notice of Celtic and I think that's where it takes it for me if you if you want a wee treat by the way Yatal who was on before us with, with Liam Carrigan tweeted this morning that apparently uh, Shinsuke Nakamura is having a farewell game yes he has still been playing up until I think last season um, he's got a farewell game coming and he's got footage from him in training training for this match and he's just pinging them in Hanging them in. It's scary. And I love it. But um, yeah, I don't know what anybody thinks in the chat. Please let us know. But it's got to be, it's got to be Nakamura for me. See, it's levels, isn't it? It's levels, like you say. And there has been a a wee trend running through our selections whereby if you were going cult, and by the way, a cult player can also be an amazing football player. Um, You go Lubo because of the nature of us signing him when he was well in his 30s. Um, was he called a blank check? Or was that Joe Vengloss? 
One of them was called the blank check. Aye. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think at that time, we should have signed John Spencer, of course, rather than Lubo Maravchik, copyright yeah. Hugh Keevans. But the, the guy was an, a, he was a magician, uh, best two-footed player I've ever seen in the hoops. And uh, I remember speaking to the players who played alongside the original Brian McLaughlin, um, who played for Celtic in the 1970s, made his debut as a 16-year-old, and he was famously two-footed, Laura. And, and people say that Lubo, and McLaughlin were like the two best um, using both feet. Ah, I'm still thinking it's a difficult one. Nakamura gave us, you're probably right, he gave us bigger moments as well. Mm-hmm. Even when you're looking at the, you know, the rugby park free kick as well. Um, and I know Lubo scored some crack goals against Rangers, but so did Naka. Mm-hmm. Remember that one that Gary Caldwell laid on to him? Yes, I was at that game. It, and it's and still he just going. lashed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. love it. You've, uh, you've convinced me, but we'll put Lubo on the bench, right? Oh, it's, I can't believe, I can't believe that we've got a team here that's not got Callum McGregor in it and Lubo Moravchik. But this is what these debates create, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's even people, some people shouting for, still shouting for a guy right back, but as soon as McNamara's name was mentioned, it wasn't even close for me. You could change the shape and you probably pick a completely different team, but this... This particular team has a particularly 2000s shape about it, I would say. Um, and that's why we went for it. The front two, again, a lot of debate here. There's yes. an argument to say that we have currently got one of the strikers that's going to make it into this team. Um, there's an argument that one of the players who maybe isn't as popular nowadays makes it into the team by dint of goals alone. Now remember, we can't have Henrik Larsson because he made it into that greatest 11 of all time named in 2002, so he's out. Oh my God. Um, let's have the Lee Griffiths discussion. Just push Lubo up. <laughs> just push Lubo up, aye. It's, let's, just, let's just push Lubo up. No, let's have, let's have the Lee Griffiths discussion. I think too often um, the reputation of a, a player can be tainted by the way that their reign at a club ends. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely fair to say that, that, that Lee Griffith's uh, reign at Celtic did not end in the way that maybe he would have wanted or in the way that does justice to the to the career that he had. In terms of out-and-out finishers, he's one of the best we've ever had. He was, he was a sensational finisher. Um, you know, he's not even on my shortlist here, Laura. Really? Why is that? Why is, I've got four. But, let, but let's but let's four. talk before we go into the four. Why what about him? Why what about him doesn't get on there? Because I think it's legitimate that he doesn't go on there. But by numbers alone. If you want to look at figures and you want to look at uh, ability, then absolutely he's up there. Um, I, I watched and I, I think you did as well that podcast he did with the Australian podcast platform, and he was talking about things that we didn't know. We never mm-hmm. knew. We don't know the full circumstances, um, and fine, fine, we, we we don't have to. But he ended up in hospital when he was at Celtic. Mm-hmm. We know that he he had mental issues. Brendan Rodgers was one of the first guys to be at the hospital bedside. All that kind of stuff does detract away from that goal scoring machine because mm-hmm. that's what he was, Laura. He was an absolute machine in front of goal. Um, Is he not the only other player apart from Larson to do fifty goals in a season? Or something like that. There's some statistic like give that. I'm going to give you a wee stat here, right? So uh, only seven players have scored 40-plus goals in a single season, ever, for Celtic. Now, some of them have done it more than once, right? So I'll run through the list. 
Jimmy McGrory scored 57 goals in 26-27. He scored 53. He wasn't a bad player himself in 1927-28. Look at that for two seasons. He scores 57 and then 53. 110 goals in two seasons, Jimmy McGrory. And we didn't have European football or any of that stuff back then, or even the League Cup. Mm-hmm. Henrik Larson scores 53 in 2000-2001. Jimmy McGrory chipped in with 50 again. Um, he scored more than 50 goals three times, Jimmy McGrory. Wow. <laughs> and there's no statue of him at Celtic Park. 35-36. Uh, Charlie Nicholas scored 48 goals in 82-83. Joe McBride, 65-66. Season scored 43 McGrory again, poor season. He scored 42 in 1925. That's poor. Pull your socks up, Jimmy. I know. I don't know what he was thinking about. Bobby Lennox in 67-68 scores 41, as did Dalgleish in 72-73. Brian McClear, 86-87. Larson scores 41 goals in both seasons 2002-03 and 03-04. So uh, Griffiths joined that elite club. Unbelievable. When, look, Lee Griffiths is in a, a goal-scoring list alongside Henrik Larson, Brian McClear, Kenny Dalgleish, Bobby Lennox, Jimmy Johnson, Joe McBride and Charlie Nicholas. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but he's, he's not going to make it in, unfortunately. So tell us why your choice is Charlie Nicholas. <laughs> sitting here thinking. <laughs> right. Another wee stat, by the way, and this wasn't predetermined because he's known my list, but Lee Griffiths, right, in his first 50 competitive starts. Now, I know people will come in and say it's no starts that we look at now, it's minutes. I get it. But in his first 50 competitive starts for Celtic, Lee Griffiths scored 39 goals, right? Gary Hooper scored 28. Scott McDonald scored 25. Henrik Larson scored 20. Mm -hmm. So... There's no doubt in the point. There's no doubt in the point. I'm asking you, why is he not even in my, my mind when I'm writing a shortlist? Is it because of the way it ended? Is it because of the career trajectory afterwards, the downfall? Is that why? I don't I don't even consider him. I think I think there's a multitude of reasons, but I think as much as you can love a player because in spite of their ability and make them a cult hero, there's also aspects of a player's character or or behaviour or whatever way you want to put it that detract from the type of player that they were and can impact your opinion of them as a player as much and that's perhaps why why Lee Griffiths doesn't feature as much in the conversation as he perhaps should um, but you mentioned four players that you have on your shortlist we've got two positions available mm. um, who are your four players? Right here we go I, I would say that Kyogo is up there in that mm-hmm. time period, uh, no playing brilliantly right now, but he is up there. I would never have a list like this without Chris Sutton being in it. Absolutely. And, and again, he did it at a high, high level for Celtic. I mean, I, I just think back to that Juventus game. We know about Seville, but that Juventus game, Laurie, was unbelievable that night. Um, and then we've got the two Frenchmen, Moussa Dembele and, and um, Edouard, Odson Edouard. I think both of them were unbelievable talents. Yep. I think Musa was a better of the two different players. Musa was a bit. I would have loved to have seen the two of them partner each other for a spell. Um, and I just think, are we picking it from a partnership or as individuals? We probably need to think about the partnership here. Well, so you're thinking Sutton and Musa wouldn't be great together, no. would they? I think. I think what I'll say is this: I think going on pure ability, one of the positions is by far and away taken because. 
you don't talk about somebody with the seriousness that you do talk about Kyogo being the best since Larson. He absolutely, for me, takes one of those positions without question. The next if question takes, is... If he takes the, one of the positions, Laura, then Eddie's out the discussion. Well, the other, th- the other reason I was going to say there was Eduard, for me personally... Yes, he, he provided us with some magical moments. He definitely had as much ability as anybody I've seen. But he frustrated the life out of me at times because you knew within five minutes of a game starting whether this was an Eddie day or not an Eddie day. And I think that is a feature that we can't allow to be part of this team. You've got to have a team that you know. Look at look at everybody else in that team. Are any single one of the players in that team not going to try 100% every time they pull the shirt on? The answer is no. And so to have Eduard in there for me, you know, it, it's enough justification for me that if you're saying Keel goes in, then Eddie can't be in. But I think I think for me, out of those ones that he names, Eduard would have been bottom of the pile anyway. Is that too harsh? I don't... Well, it's a, it's a decent pile to be at the bottom of. That's mm, the thing. Yeah. Um, you know what? There's one guy that I know is a certainty for me at the four, and it's Chris Sutton. Okay. Chris Sutton would be in my team. He's this type of guy that you'd he'd go to war for you. You know, he, he's like and he I would think never he would ever let well, you down. I, he worked well with Larson, so I think he would work well with Kyogo. I think that's fair to say. Before we finish up, let's let's put the team in there. Um, and listen, that looks like a cracking team to me. I'm going to I'm going to put a wee case forward for for a man that I'm surprised you didn't name, Gary Hooper. Yeah, I've seen him coming up in the comments. Uh, yeah, people are mentioning him in the comments, and that is that is somebody that I I did really think when he first arrived, one of the best finishers, the movement he could make, perhaps just longevity goes against him or lack of longevity, I should say. Um, and I know that he's probably played for Celtic as long as Kyogo has, but he's not had anywhere near the impact that Kyogo has had. So that that kind of cancels that out. There's a lot of people, I think, shocked that that Sutton's in there, but I think Sutton, because of his stature and his build, gets unfairly labelled as the big man up top that the ball just bounces off of. Like you say, look at some of his finishes. Mm. He's absolutely incredible, and you don't become part of two of the most iconic. Uh, strike partnerships of all time without being a good player yourself. He was part of Sutton and Shearer at Blackburn. He was part of Larson and Sutton. Now, we had John Hartson at the time. I know. But it was Larson and Sutton everybody talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And again, somebody could probably present me an argument to say that Moussa Dembele is a better player. But I'm talking about him at Celtic. And I think that Chris Sutton, and again, I've gone back quite a few times, it's a phenomenal book, Martin O'Neill's he spoke about Sutton being key, absolutely key to the success that Martin O'Neill had. And what that success meant for me was that for the first time in my lifetime and the only time in my lifetime, I felt we were going to do something in Europe under mm-hmm. Martin O'Neill. And Sutton was a massive part of that, absolutely huge. Um, he'd go to war for you. Kyogo would score 40 goals a season with Sutton next to him. Um, people are going to disagree. Of course they are. By the way, I'd also love to see Eddie and Musa up top. And I also yeah. think they would be a frightening partnership. Uh, they, they didn't play... They, I'm sure they played a little bit together, but certainly not for long. But they would have been frightening together, that's for sure. And and there's this whole thing about um, bias, Laura. 
Uh, so you've got perception of players. Hooper, all right, we signed him for Scunthorpe. He was a great penalty box. Not very fashionable. Is that why he's not in? Maybe. Let's let's uh, let's get Alan Morrison on the case, Laura. Let's get Alan Morrison to look at this shortlist and tell us who are their best players. Um, and they might say, actually, you should have had X, Y, or Z in there because there's been quite a few players. Wanyama's not even been mentioned. No. And as but a again, midfield enforcer, he was one of the best. Again, this is where recency bias does come into it, and I see all the comments coming in. There are certainly players in there who I've I've said about other players, oh, they weren't there long enough, and there's probably players in there who were there the exact same amount of time. But the longer that you're depart, you're, the longer longer you're detached from when they were there, you have a, a different idea of how they played. My my thing is that looking at that team, do I think that is one of you could swap a couple of names in and out there, but is that one of the best teams we could potentially put out from the last twenty five years? And the answer to me is undoubtedly yes. That would take on any team anybody else could name. I'm sure. Oh. I, I would. I would love there to be... Uh, a, there was one of the Rocky movies, wasn't there, where they could take a, a, a boxer from any era and get them to fight another boxer. It was a computer-generated AI-style thing, and it would tell you this is who would win and this is why they would win it. Imagine having that, and you could actually put this team in and say, right, let's see if it would... Uh, how would you get on against the Lions? Oh, the Lions would beat you 4-1. All right, brilliant. Mm-hmm. What about the Quality Street gang? How would they do? That That's a very, very strong side. Um, absolutely. I mean, how many? Here's the next question. How many in the team, Laura? Because my eyesight is pretty bad. How many of that team were in the UEFA Cup final team? Um, You've probably got Sutton, Lambert, Petrov. McNamara was on the bench in Mialbi. So one, two, three, five. Five. Wow. Because you've got some real talent like Tomo. Alan Thompson is a phenomenal player. He's mm-hmm. not even been quoted. Um, and, and others, there'll they'll they'll definitely be others as well that folk are thinking, why are they not in the team? But listen, uh, it's all just, about opinion. Just Stu Boy saying there, guys, why is Henrik not in the team? He wasn't that good, that's why. No, he's not in the team because <laughs> he's not in the team because we stipulated at the start, you might not have seen, we're not including either the Lisbon Lions, obviously, because it's since 2000, or anybody who's picked in that great Celtic eleven of all t- time in two thousand and two, um, and I think somebody also said Jackie McNamara was signed prior to two thousand. A few of the other ones in there were as well, but this is just anybody who has played for Celtic since two thousand. So they could have been signed before, but I have played for them since. So yeah, I mean, Bruni and Larson should be in there. I mean, Larson obviously for for the reasons we've said, isn't in there. Bruni is a big one that we we have debated. If you have only just joined us recently, go back and uh, listen to our thoughts on why people get in there. The midfield discussion particularly was a painful one for both of us, I think, Paul, John. Um, but thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Axon for the pre-match coverage of the Hearts game later on. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on the charity weekender on Axon with thoughts on the hoops. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. That was really fun. I'm away to share this on Twitter now and get absolutely roasted. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to clip the bit where you said Larson's known it because he's not very good. Um, <laughs> I'll share that as well. Thank you very much for having me, Laura. Thank you very much. Uh, have a great weekend, guys. and uh, Make sure and watch the rest and we'll see you very soon.
Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.